Good afternoon, morning, evening, whenever you might find yourself watching or listening to this. I'm Omar back with the uh, Between the Strides podcast network. Unfortunately, my partner Jackson was not able to join due to work hours for this podcast, but we have an exciting, we have an exciting two guests. Uh, once again, it's always great when you have guests on the podcast. We have Coach Chris Williams and uh, Coach Grove from the HBCU Pigskin Showdown, a new HBCU All-Star game in supposed to be in Selma in future years, but this year it's at the Marion Military Academy, which I actually had some classmates who went to Marion. Shout out Colin Winstead and um, and Cole and Cole, um, Cole or Colin Smith. Um, shout out to them. But uh, yeah, definitely a great game or Corbin Smith, excuse me, Corbin Smith. Shout out to them. But uh, yeah, definitely. I'm excited for this all-star game. All-star games are always great because you find diamonds in the rough. And really then, I mean, it's kind of a throwback feel because, you know, before television, everything, this was like the only opportunity to see a lot of great players. So uh, before we get kicked off talking about the game, um, Coach Williams and Coach Grove, can you guys share your um, your experiences? I guess your your resume in pro and college sports. Just I guess I guess your story for uh, for that matter. First of all, <laughs> glad to have it to um, allow us to come on, Omar. We appreciate the the uh, invitation there. But you know, with Coach Coach Grove and I go back into you know, we shoot. We, I counted back with one back you know, 20 years of, of football coaching, right? So we, most of our time has been spent in the, at the high school level, at the, well, I, I should say started at the high school level, but most of that 20 years was in the arena football leagues. And so, um, you know, Coach Grove and I go back to, you know, knowing each other from childhood in Mobile, Alabama and playing football together there in high school. And so, um, but we coached together, you know, I was, I was spent, you know, 17 years as a head coach at the arena football level. And Coach Grove was was always my uh, defensive coordinator. And so we've, we've been around the block. I mean, we've been in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We spent, I don't know, about 10 years in Odessa, Texas. We've been, um, I still live in Green Bay, which was our last stop on the on the coaching tour in arena ball in, at, there in Green Bay. And, um you know, I've also done a stint as a as a scout in the Canadian Football League. You know, so we as we were coming out of the business, you know, just to make the story short, I mean, we we've always been dealing with these minor league level kids, which was always putting us in position where we would, you know, speaking with NFL scouts, trying to get these kids opportunities. You know, minor league, whether that's arena league or the or the CFL for that matter, guys are wanting to get opportunities to play at the next level. So we, we developed a pretty good list of um, contacts and connections at the NFL level. And we were out of the business, you know, from that last run in Green Bay. And we just said, hey, how can we, you know, first of all, start a business because we all we wanted a break from coaching. And and we said, well, let's start a business around something that we know, something that we enjoy. And so we said, how can we still keep helping kids, you know, get those opportunities and and we started searching, man. I mean, we, we, we looked into the HBCU background and, and felt like, you know, there was a gap there when it comes to guys getting opportunities that, you know, true opportunities. So we said, hey, let's jump into the HBCU world. So about 18 months ago, Omar, I mean, we've been at this for a while. It's, we didn't just come out of the gate, you know, yesterday. I mean, for about 18 months ago, we, we um, came together and said, hey, let's start this process. And we've been working it and working it and setting it up and getting with the NFL and getting with sponsors and finally got to the point where we're, we're here now. The city of Selma, um, all both city governments are behind us, uh, city of Marion, both mayors. Um, you know, so things have been good, but that, that's where we come from. We come from helping kids 
felt like HBCU, you know, needs people like us to step in here and, and do this, and that's what we're doing. Uh, that's, that's very noble. I, I do have a question. Something that came up. Uh, you mentioned Albuquerque. Uh, wh- which team in Albuquerque did you, co- did you coach for? Because um, I'm an Albuquerque native. Um, been recently watching a lot of Duke City Gladiators when I read Come Home for the Summer. So I was just wondering which team you coached for. We took we took the first two years of the New Mexico Stars that was played. At oh, the- okay. I, I watched their games too. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, when I was in, in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we started out with the Stars there. It was an expansion team when we started. It was tough, man. It was it was tough to recruit to Albuquerque. I mean, we hit the ground running, you know, trying to make that thing work. And then finally, you know, the second year round, we were able to get it to 500. And that's before we took another step to a different team. But, you know, we started out slow and got it running. And, and to be honest with you, Omar, everything that we set, I mean, to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, everything that we set the foundation of, you know, really was the beginning of the Do City Gladiators. I mean, that, all of those, a lot of those people that worked for us, a lot of those people that didn't know what arena football was, how arena football worked, a lot of those people, you know, are still with the, even some of our players. I think the offensive coordinator is one of our players. I mean, so that's, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in looking back at the gladiators and saying that had we not, you know, dug in on the stars, then there may not be a Duke City gladiator. So we, we feel like we've got some, you know, a good, a good, a good history when it comes to Albuquerque. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, my family's gonna be thrilled when I when I tell them about this, just like by coincidence, uh, talk to, uh, to the guy that used to coach the teams we, we watched in middle school. That, that's yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, no, we were seasons. Oh, what was that? Yeah, so you're making us feel old. That was middle school. That was what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll try, I'll try not to make you guys feel old, but uh, I, I guess I guess I'll sort of segue this into saying, like, I, I love what you guys are doing with uh, the minor opportunities and just how, I guess, how proud you are of saying that. Because, like, I mean, a lot of players get their starts there and, and really carve their niche in, in in pro football in these arena settings, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a fast-paced game. It's fun. And guys can really carve out in really long careers, for sure. And, like, if not, get to the next level, for sure. Um, so I really, I really admire that. Um, I, I have some questions. I have, I have a question about, um, uh, I guess you said the game uh, came along 18 months ago. Is that generally, I guess the length it takes, or I guess the average length to plan an all-star game like, like this game, or, um, were you guys on kind of a time crunch with this? You know what? I mean, I, I would say that's generally the, the amount of time that it, that would be now, to be honest with you, we, we probably would have maybe attempted to to come out of the gate a little bit earlier maybe we would have tried had there been no COVID but you know once COVID happened and we we felt like you know hey it it gave us time really I mean our minds were thinking maybe soon right after we came up with the idea but COVID kind of took us back to reality and it it really worked out for us because we had time to do it the right way. Coach Grove do you have anything to add to that? Uh, coach pretty much summed it up, but just I know you're a military guy, so I, I was in the Marine Corps active, man, so I, I'll give you that. And uh, that to say, um, you know, I got the opportunity. Me and Coach grew up together, as he mentioned, in uh, Mobile, Alabama, but I started volunteering in personnel. You know, it's no different than you doing a podcast from your house or wherever you're from or the barracks, right? So this whole platform is about opportunity. So my background, I got a military background. I've been in multiple branches two trips to the Middle East. I got 10 years of law enforcement. And then 
you know, I have a friend from childhood that I stayed connected with when football once my college days were done. And um, so that I, that door opened no different than the door that's open for you tonight. And then the door that are open for these kids that we're building a platform for. So um, not to make a repeat coach's story. That's that's just what it's all about. It's building a bridge between those kids, that segment of kids that are getting overlooked. And then and between the NFL, CFL and any other, uh, you know, any other uh, professional leagues that maybe you got European leagues that pay too. So those three, just building a bridge between those three to give people an opportunity. Absolutely. And I, I think that's great. Like just carve a niche too, like these players, because a lot of these all-star games, I mean, I feel like they're getting overshadowed. Like uh, one in particular for me is like the NFL PA game, which I mean, they, they target late round picks, but it's like, it's almost like it's over, like the market's oversaturated when they're competing with the East West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. But uh, to be, I guess, the preeminent, and I, I hate the term minor, I guess, preeminent, uh, I guess, semi, so I, I guess, small town, small market pro football, all-star game, that, that's a heck of a thing to be, honestly, and, and I love that. And uh, Coach Grove, I guess this is a great, a great transition with your military background. Um, I want you guys' opinion on the site. Uh, were you guys bummed out to not get the site in Selma for your home stadium? Um, are you guys excited about having the game at Marion? And if, the, if it goes well, could that be a permanent thing? I've never been to the campus of Marion, but, uh, you know, just like the setting, I guess, the whole, I guess, military setting, um, I, that, that could that could draw some fans as a unique environment. I'll let Coach go on that one. Well, I mean, we, we're definitely excited to be at Marion. And, yes, we were. We were bummed in the beginning. Um, you know, Selma, they had hurricane damage to the stadium, so there was, the seats were, were, were in a position where we couldn't get them repaired in time. And, you know, we had sponsors that were ready for us to, you know, say, hey, where's the game going to be? So we had to go ahead and move over to Marion. Now, Marion is only 20 miles outside of Selma. So in a, in a normal situation, if you're in Atlanta, 20 miles is nothing. I mean, I've lived in Dallas before. You know, 20 miles was my drive every day to the, to the coach's office. So, I mean, it, you know, 20 miles is not that bad. And, and, the, and what we found was that that community – is just as entrenched in that civil rights history as Selma is. I mean, there's, you know, Coretta Scott King was born in Marion. You know, Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King got married in Marion. In Marion. Um, the Alabama State University, Alabama's first HBCU, actually started in Marion. You know, so so Marion's got a good history. And, you know, and you combine that with the two communities, you got the bridge in Selma, you got all that history that, that happened in Selma, you put all that stuff together. It really makes sense, to be honest with you, to, to get that whole black belt region involved. So as we get, as we've been moving forward, I mean, we there's going to be a team Selma and a team Marion. Right now, the, the thought process is to you know keep doing what we're doing. I mean, one of the teams is going to be practicing in Marion. There'll be some events that happen in Selma along with a team that lives and practices in Selma. College fairs going on in, in Selma. So we between the two cities, I mean, I think both of them you know, can, can take pride in that the game belongs to them. And Absolutely. on top of that, yeah, go ahead, Omar. I was going to pass to you, Coach Girl. I was just asking if you had anything to say. Yeah, it's just, just on top of that. Coach, Coach spells it out pretty good. But that area, that area is similar to where we come from. So, you know, if we come from IFL, we come from high school, we come from Canadian League, all minor league sports, right? So that that area, small market, like you said, we're used to dealing in small markets. We're used to knocking on doors and dealing with local people. So uh, combined with the history, like Coach was talking about, we knew it would be an ideal place to be. Plus, historically, 
um, that part of that black belt has been, um, I don't know if the word is forgotten, but they, they've had some rough times. Uh, even if you're talking about recent with storms, but financially, they have some institutions in both Selma and in um, in Marion that have closed, like HBCU, small HBCU Bible school there, uh, Selma University, where the kids are going, Team Selma is going to be staying. You know, that, that, that institution is struggling to uh, stay open. Uh, there was another institution in Selma that closed recently. You got a, uh, not an HBCU, but there's a small all women's college in Marion that's closing. So we're hoping with all this opportunity, we're trying to give to these athletes, to schools, give people a platform that it brings the nation's attention back to that area financially. I hope business will come in, people have an interest in going into these areas and kind of bringing them back to life, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And I love that. I mean, I, I have a history degree. Love U.S. I mean, a U.S. history degree. History, history tourism, it's great. And it should it should be more money should be poured into it. And Selma, where else has more history than Selma in terms of not only civil rights movement, but American civil rights movement, excuse me, but America in history. Um, so really, really enjoy this for sure. Um, Coach Williams, you mentioned um, Alabama State, uh, the original uh, HBCU in Alabama opening in Selma. I want to hear uh, about your guys' efforts to get local players. Is that a focus to get guys from Alabama State, from Alabama A&M, Tuskegee, getting guys from those schools to play in this game? Or are you guys just getting uh, really uh, all over the HBCU landscape? You know, I, I think naturally, you, you know, we look at those schools. I mean, we want, we want those guys to be involved, but to be honest with you, Omar, the, the first thought process is to make sure that the, the NFL scouts see a group of guys that makes sense for them to be seeing. So for us, you know, I mean, they're, they're, we do have some guys from A&M. We do have some guys from from um, Miles College there in Alabama. We hadn't we hadn't touched Tuskegee yet, but there's a couple of guys that we're going to invite. So right now it's just about building the best, you know, 90-man, you know, 45-man per team roster that we can build. You know, because we you know earlier you mentioned about you know being oversaturated, but when it comes down, it, it gets oversaturated to the fans. But when you're talking about NFL scouts and CFL scouts, they can't watch enough of these kids, right? So there's really no such thing as saturation when it comes to scouts. So you know we want to make sure that you know especially with this this group of kids we're talking about. So for them to play in our game, and then some of them may prove themselves, you know, worthy enough to go down and, and be a part of the Senior Bowls combine and then some of them may also go and play in Doug Williams' game. So for these HBCU kids based on the numbers, you know, one guy getting drafted in the last two drafts, I mean, based on that, there, there, there's not really a such thing as oversaturation. So we we just want to make sure these scouts see as much of these kids as they can see. Doesn't matter to us where they come from, just, just, just present them with 90 kids that deserve a look and then go from there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, like, I, I guess uh, it makes a lot of sense for the market, like, not being uh, oversaturated, too, because really, when you think on a college football Saturday, I guess, from a scout perspective, I'm sure you both can speak on that. Um, I'm not sure what you got, I guess, from a fan perspective, uh, I guess. Well, actually, I guess that's a good question. Sorry to, to flip flop so much. But <laughs> as yeah. a scout, when you when you find what games to watch, like, um, is there ever a weekend when as a scout, you guys are at home? Well, like figuring out what to watch as, as a fan, are you, are you guys always locked in every week, like visiting players in person, or, you, or do you have like the screen, like multi-screen setup as a scout? No, I mean the, the I mean you you may take a look at what's happening on TV. I mean I can only speak for myself and the people that I was was around. I mean you 
you know, if you get a chance to look at a guy on, on TV on Saturday, you know, you, you know, if you're sitting there, you'll watch it, but not necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily bring it all home until you get the coach's tape, right? You know, so the, the full the full field view of the tape and the film. So you can you can notice a guy on TV and you know, you're not gonna take your eye away from the TV because you wanna just get an eye on a guy, but it doesn't count until you're sitting in that room by yourself breaking down the film. So, you know, yeah, you you know, I mean that that the TV part of it is definitely a fan thing. But um, like I said, man, if you're talking about you know, scouts, I mean, they're really truthfully, man, when you think about it, you know, I mean, these guys are investing money in these kids, right? So, I mean, for as much as you can see a guy in an in a all-star game situation up close and personal, that helps you make your decision to invest in a guy, right? So you, as a scout, I mean, you may have gone to a practice, you know, at his school, but now you're seeing him compete against the best people in his division or the best people that are considered his competition, you get to see that stuff up close. I mean, as a scout, I mean, I'd watch, I'd watch a hundred all-star games to be totally honest with you, because that gives you all the information that you, that you, that you need. So, I mean, it, it can't be enough. And, you know, like I said, I get it from a fan standpoint, you know, but football wise, this is, this is how people make, make, make life changing decisions based on what you see and how you're able to talk to these kids at these games. Coach Grove, you have anything, you have uh, anything to add to that? Not, not only get, nothing to add to that. Just, just what Coach is saying. These All Star games are platform s. You get what I'm saying? Because a kid comes in, he goes to a cycle. So all your measurables, all that stuff, you have a way in a measurable. All this cattle call stuff that people uh, may be in an uproar over, but all that stuff is necessary, right? So they, they have an opportunity to talk to them one on one. They maybe never have done that. There's so many 500 schools of football, right? So when you're in an All Star setting. They get the one-on-one with whoever the scout is or whoever's coming from that um, that um, scouting department. You know, they actually get to hit a kid other than sitting in the stands watching them or watching the cut-up from the, from the coach. So it all that stuff that build up to that point, then the decision-making, like Coach said, happens during whatever that all-star week is. They, they get to see them uh, from the field and from the fence or from a high-rise up above, and then they get the one-on-one session with them you know, at a table and uh, get to digest who that person really is. That's that's amazing here because, I mean, fans like me, we, we just see what happens at the game and we kind of forget, I guess, what happens during the week, like the combines, the weigh-ins and everything too. I, I know like uh, some of these All-Star games air the practices and everything, but to be honest, like who's going to watch a practice, you know, unless like you're super invested. Like my, my co-host Jackson is really invested in the draft process, so he'll watch it. But otherwise, like, I mean – I don't, I don't see that. Like all the stuff you mentioned, that stuff that I never mentioned, it actually kind of brought me back too. Cause uh, just thinking about just sitting in, high, in my high school film room, there's a lot of stuff happening um, on the all 22s. But like when you locked in, when you lock in on yourself, you're like, Oh man, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't want, maybe I don't want to be seen here on this play or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So uh, no, I'm glad, guys, I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys brought this up. I was a side note. What high school did you play at? Uh, Cleveland high school. Wow. Yeah, my, my son was while we were there, my son was at was at Rio Rancho High. And um okay. yeah, so we played for uh, Coach Coach Howes there at, at Rio Rancho High. Um what was the quarterback's name? Yeah, a really good quarterback that had some trouble getting a scholarship. Uh is it I think it was uh Easton, Easton Brewer. Yeah, yep, 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 Easton yep. Brewer. So my, my my son was really good friends with Easton and yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. So that was a rival. Cleveland was a rival. Yeah, this, this is kind of awkward now, too, because, I mean, 
I, I'm over the Cleveland Ranch rivalry, but I played in a few of those games, and yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> bring, bring me back here big time. Um, so, so I guess, uh, I guess moving on to our next topic too. I, I think uh, we sort of hit, I guess, I guess the challenges with the, with the HBCU All Star games. Uh, if, if there's anything we missed, uh, are there any other challenges you guys perceive? Because uh, you guys pretty much flipped my perception of there being an oversaturation. You flipped that on its on its head. But uh, is there anything I guess you account for with these other HBCU games? Because like uh, like we talked about before, we uh, we went on we went live. Like the East West Shrine Bowl is looking at more HBCU players. You already had the uh, the the Spirit of America and the HBCU Dream Bowl in Roanoke uh, looking at HBCU players, even though they mix in uh, Division two and Division three players where they see fit. So that one's kind of straying away from the HBCU almost exclusive model. And then you have the Legacy Bowl, which the NFL is backing and a lot of NFL stars. So are there any, I guess, uh, things you guys are considering with those uh, games also in the fold? You know what? I mean, that's, I mean, we've been saying that everybody, everywhere we talk, I mean, this, this is great for these kids. I'm just going to end up saying a lot of stuff I already said. I mean, it's, I mean, when we look at our database, Omar, I mean, just of, of HBCU prospects, I mean, there are 350 kids in our database that have at least gotten on the radar when it comes to the NFL. So if we, so if we take 90 and Doug Williams takes 100, you know, we're still going to leave a bunch of kids that don't get a chance to play you know, in a in an all-star game. So there's a lot of kids, man, that, that need to be seen. And, you know, so we're all doing this together. Senior Bowl, I think, is going to bring 50 guys in for that for that combine. So, yeah. you know, so between all of us, you know, of that 100 plus 90 plus 50, you know, that, I mean, some of them are going to be at all of our events. So we may only be talking about, you know, 172 guys, right, you know, that are going to get a legitimate – you know, opportunities. So, so, I mean, it's, I mean, this stuff is needed. I mean, it's like I said, I mean, these, these games are the, the power five schools, you know, if you can't get in the senior bowl, cause only a hundred guys get in the senior bowl, then you can go take a look at the East West shrine, East West shrine. You don't get in that then You can take a look at the hula bowl. I mean, so we got to get the same thing, same options going for HBCU kids. Cause you know, it, it mean, like I said, I mean, if, if you were, if you were looking at the SEC and, and there was only one guy drafted from the SEC in a two-year time frame, only three guys drafted in a five-year time frame, you'd be like, what is going on? What's happening? Where's where's the ball being dropped? So, you know, so we feel like this is these kids need to have these options. It just is what it is. I mean, it's a it's a different league that that has lost a little bit of its attention. And these kids need to be able to say, hey, you know, you know what, I can get in this system too. And I can get evaluated, and these scouts can find out as much about me too. You know what? I'm going to go to two games and a combine, even though I might not get invited to the senior bowl. So all all of us have to work together. I mean, we've we've said it to Doug Williams. I mean, we've said it to the folks down there at the senior bowl. All this stuff needs to really go together, and we all are helping these kids together. So we can't, you know. And I'm going to say it in politically incorrect. I mean, sometimes, you know, my black people sometimes we think. There's only one of something, right? You know, so there, it's not the, that's not the case. I mean, we we got to do this together. It's not a competition. It's not Doug Williams or us. It's not. That's just not what it is. I mean, we just got to all work together and change the landscape of HBCU players getting into NFL camps. I mean, even if it's not drafted, there's more kids that should be in camp, and we all know it. Yeah, no doubt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys mentioned um, 
I, all very good points too. And I think it's a very moving, uh, moving, uh, argument you guys make to put forward too about working together. Cause I was just thinking like, like, I think from like a money perspective, like all these, there's money to be made with these games, which there is, but I mean, again, it's about the players too. And that's just so refreshing to hear that. I mean, with, with you guys, it's a mission. Um, and I got to say, too, like uh, with what you said about the Bulgans, like these guys not getting shots, I always think about this. Like the one that that sort of um, sticks in my head is uh, Amir Hall from uh, Bowie State a couple of years ago. Um, and he was invited to the NFL PA Bowl and he did. He only threw one pass. I think he only threw one pass. It was like a check that was incomplete. And then the rest of the, like the one drive he had, like he just handed off the ball. And it's like, why invite the guy? I mean, the guy littered up out there in the CIA, like. You know, why, why invite him if that's just what it's going to be? And, you know, games like these are where these guys are going to shine and, you know, put on a show. Um, because, I mean, as much as I love these all-star games, a lot of them tend to be, like, low scoring and whatnot. I mean, it would be it would be, it would be cool to see some points for some of these games for once. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, speak, speaking of points, too, and I guess this will head into our final topic about players that you guys like like a lot that have already accepted invites. I, I just got to ask first, uh, my favorite HBCU quarterback this year, Juwan Carter. Have you guys reached out to Juwan Carter for Norfolk State? Because he's been lighting it up. We, we have not gotten to Juwan Carter yet, but he, he is on our list. We're absolutely sure. So we'll, we'll be reaching out to him for sure. But we, Norfolk was, was one of the schools that we, we wanted to the, – the coaching staff kind of didn't want a lot of that distraction coming from All-Star Games yet. So we held back on the invitation. But we're going to have one soon for him. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I, that makes a lot of sense because they're in the thick of the MEAC race until uh, last week uh, – Really surprised what happened with them blowing that twenty six nothing lead to Delaware State, uh, but I don't want to I don't want to rub salt in any uh, any Norfolk State fans' wounds. That's, that's not what what this is here for. Um, yeah, any any players that both you uh, you Coach Williams and Coach Grove are really excited to have in the game. Um, yeah, I'll start with you, Coach Williams and Coach Grove. You, you just uh, add on. Well, I, I'll just give you a couple. Of, I'm I'm really excited about uh, Corey Banks, wide receiver out of North Carolina A and T. Um, he's a guy that, you know, transferred to A&T from South Carolina. So he's an SEC talent. The kid can run, man. I mean, he's, he's, um, you know, he's a 4-4, guy that we have him in our database as. And, you know, so I'm really excited to see what he can do as a kick returner and as a wide receiver. And he, he also chimed in with us yesterday and said he'd like to get some reps at running back too. So that's a guy that I'm, I'm really excited about, um, and, and, and for me, I'm, I'm kind of excited about our, our, our free safety group. I mean, we've got uh, Elvin De La Rosa coming out of Fayetteville State. We've got Will Adams coming out of Virginia, out of uh, Virginia State. Uh, Tayon Reynolds is a, is a football player, man, coming out of Elizabeth City State. Really excited about him. So I think, you know, right now, you know, just, just excited about some of these defensive, you know, I, I guess we call them ball hawks. I mean, you know, uh, Coach Grove was a defensive guy, but but I, you know, just really excited about some of those defensive kids that we've been able to get get into the game. All right, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna step back a question, then I'm gonna come back up to a player. Right. So back to the All Star game. You was talking about the All Star game. The guy he only got maybe an incomplete pass and a handoff. But the real deal is the scouts show up and they go to the practices. Right. The scouts are gone by the time the game comes. They've seen what they needed to see out of him. So that exhibition game, maybe somebody, if they have a great play, it gets recorded and shipped off. But most of it is seen during those weeks of practice from the scouts, if that makes sense to you, right? And then uh, back to players, 
if you want to look up, uh, when you get off of this, Omar, you got a Malik Stevens uh, running back out of Edward Waters University here locally uh, in Jacksonville. And that's where I'm at right now in Jacksonville. Uh, the kid's 5'9", 195 pounds, kick returner uh, as a running back. He, he's a load at 5'9", 195. Um, he can find daylight. Once he gets the handoff, he can beat you to the edge. And he, he's not afraid of contact, uh, initiating contact, right? So that kid is, is an under-the-radar kind of guy. Uh, one guy's not going to bring him down, and if he's got two holding on to him, he's going to drag him. So if you can look for Malik Stevens, 5'9", 195, Everett Waters University as a running back, that that's the kind of niche we have, you know, the under-the-radar kind of guys, you know, and that's where we come from. And I learned this stuff from coaching while we were coaching in arena leagues. But, you know, our eye, and I would say my eye, I played outdoor ball, played high school, played college, but – when you get um, my eye on the professional ranks comes from that indoor minor league. And a lot of these kids, they fit that bill, right? They, they either have, uh, most of them won't have, um, we have a list of the kids that have draft ratings. And then we, there'll be a list, probably double that a number that won't have, that won't have a rating, but that doesn't mean they can't play in the NFL. Right. So you're going to see a lot of those kids, um, at all of these All-Stars games, but I would say especially ours because we come with that eye. We've been watching and catering to that eye for between us, like Coach said, 20-some-odd years, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, absolutely. And, I mean, these under, under you say they're under the radar, but, I mean, players can come anywhere, really. I mean, what's coming, especially running backs. Uh, you mentioned Malik Stevens. I think about a guy like Dearness Johnson who, like, Found his way in the in the AAF, and then all of a sudden he's balling on, on Thursday night football. Uh, not really the biggest stage, but still a pretty big stage in uh, in, the, in the regular season. Um, yep. So I'm I'm excited now. Going to try to pull up uh, Malik Stevens' uh, highlight tape if, if anyone's made it. Um, yeah, Edmund Waters too. Uh, did I mean they just moved up to Division Two? I think so. I think that program's kind of kind of on the rise too. Um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, so you're correct. Exciting yep, times. Yeah, uh, it's exciting times for for Ed, Edmund Water or Edward Waters. I don't know why I said Ed, Edmund, but Edward Waters. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, you can come, they, you they, can come they, walk across the bridge with us too, Omar. It's uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge is what you're trying to say. But we got a bridge crossing on Saturday, the 18th, with the players as a unity crossing. You can come down. We'd be glad to have you. Oh, oh, that would that would absolutely mean a lot. I mean, again, here uh, th things are kind of tightened down, but um, if things do loosen up for us, then absolutely, I'm 100%. I mean, a history guy would love to walk the Edmund Pettus Bridge. All right. But uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I really learned a lot, too. And I hope uh, the, the few people that do listen to this podcast regularly uh, learn a lot as well as uh, into the processes of what goes into not just like NFL, like uh, scouting, but just scouting on levels below, because it always seems like there's a there's a, a market. Everyone always jokes about the XFL, the AAF, the USFL and then, you know, arena leagues, too. Uh, but I mean, they're still alive. They keep coming back. There's obviously a market for it, but I mean, no one's, no one's had the formula and those, those leagues, they obviously need players. So, uh, thank you so much. Uh, do you, do you guys have anything final to say? Final I got to throw, throw one thing in since you're the Albuquerque guy, but, and you may have been too young to remember this, but when Terrell Owens, T.O. was playing in the arena leagues, yep. he came through and played a game in the star center. Do you remember that? 
I, I was at that game, and they're not oh, going yeah. to say this. He handed me the football. He handed me his touchdown football. Yeah. No one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe me, I but believe. he handed me the football. I, yeah. I believe you. We were there, Omar. So my story, my story is Coach Grove was a defensive coordinator in that game. If you, Even if you go look it up to this day, uh, there was a play where we actually knocked Terrell Owens over the wall. That lives as as one of the most infamous Terrell Owens plays of all time. That was a play called by Coach Grove to make that happen. So you have to go look that up. We we had some good fun in, in Africa, for sure. Yeah, we did. I will. I, I see. I, I oddly enough, I don't remember that play, but I'm sure it'll bring back the memories right away. I think everything just blurred after Terrell Owens like picked me out of all the kids that are that are <laughs> gathered there. But uh, I, I just I just hope they believe me. I mean, I'm not telling a tall tale. He handed me the football. <laughs> yeah. You, all you got it. You go get the video and you you merge it with this interview and you just boost it all over. You'll be it'll it'll fit. It's there. It's definitely okay. there. Right. Yeah, I'll have time to edit this, so I'll, I'll figure it out how to how to put it in there. But uh, yeah, that, that'll certainly that'll certainly boost us for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming. Um, really appreciate what, what you guys are doing for a lot of players, um, and again for for fans as well, especially in a really underserved area. Um, in terms of I guess well football, really, excuse me, college football too. I know Montgomery's got the Camellia Bowl nearby, but um, still still kind of a hike, but. Yeah, like I, I really appreciate what you're doing for the area, guys. And I, I mean, I'm excited for this game. Um, even if I can't make it, uh, it's streaming on it's a HBCU Go TV, right? Right, that's right. Okay, right. I'll, I'll have the link for that. I'll put down the link for that uh, in the description. Um, but uh, but uh, and and also too, Charlie Neal's coach. Uh, he's announcing that one. The right. wow. So yeah, legendary voice of HBCU football, uh, mid mid twenty or early twenty tens, mid two thousands. If you if you heard a Thursday night HBCU game, Charlie Neal was on the call. Uh, just another reason just to watch this game and tune in. Um, but uh, you know, I, I might be taking away the uh, in person attendance, so if people hear that Charlie Neal is uh, calling this game, <laughs> yeah. so, so I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, again, again, Omar, you can you can pull that. We did an interview with Charlie Neal on the website. You can pull all that stuff off and go to YouTube and get the Terrell Owens stuff, and you can edit it in your show so you can boost it whenever you try to do it. You know what I mean? So it's all there. Okay, no, that sounds great. Th thank you, thank you yeah. so much. I, I appreciate yeah. it. But um, yeah, unless any of you guys have anything final to say, this has been amazing and uh, can't, can't wait for it, really. Um, but until next time, peace, love, and soul. Hey, thank All you. Right. Stay in touch with us, man.